This is a Timmet podcast. This podcast is part of the series On the Marge. This episode is part of the second series. Chronologically, it falls somewhere before episode 35. The title of this episode is Fire Smart. Fire Smart. Those experts have no idea what they're doing. That wasn't unusual coming from Pamela McPherson. She knew something about everything, and she knew it better than everybody else. According to her, anyway. And that's how we found out about the fire smarting. They're going to fire smart our forest, said Pamela. But it's quite obvious they're going to do the wrong side. Fire smarting is a program where companies get winter contracts to thin out the forest around urban areas in Yukon. They remove all the undergrowth and cut down every second pine tree when they're too close together. But they leave all the aspens because they don't burn as easily. In theory, this will prevent Whitehorse from becoming the next Fort McMurray during forest fire season. The whole idea is to keep our houses from burning, explained Pamela. So they should be thinning out the forest right along behind our houses. But no, these experts are going to leave the forest thick and flammable right next to our houses and concentrate on clearing a band right along the road, way down at the bottom of the hill. They're crazy! So I went to the meeting that the Porter Creek Community Association organized at the high school. The fire smart people were there to answer questions. Pamela, her husband Dave, and about a dozen people from Walnut Crescent and Ponderosa Drive were there too. In response to Pamela's shrill accusations of manifest incompetence, the fire smart man calmly explained how it all worked. If our forest ever caught fire, it would burn up the hill towards the houses. The firefighters wouldn't be fighting the fire downhill against the front of the advancing fire. They would be fighting it from the back, from the road at the bottom of the hill, the road that had convenient fire hydrants on it since the installation of the new water main a few years ago the road that would give them easy access to the fire-smarted area. If they fire-smarted a strip just behind the houses, the only way they could get equipment in there to fight the fire would be to bulldoze down some of the houses. They really didn't want to do that. So it all seemed quite logical to me, and that explanation seemed to soothe any other concerns. Well, most other concerns. But if you thin out the trees, then people will be able to see me when I pee in the forest, exclaimed Pamela. That brought conversation to a sudden, dead stop. People looked round uncomfortably. Pamela's husband, Dave, sank down in his chair. Nobody said anything for ten or fifteen seconds. Pamela broke the silence. Well, it's true. Doesn't anybody else pee in the woods? When you've had babies and you get old like me, you can't always predict when you have to pee. I just don't want people looking at me when I do it. Joseph Glatt spoke up. Well, Pamela, I certainly sympathize with you, although I've never had babies. But given the choice between having my house burned down or having difficulty finding a discreet place to urinate, I'll avoid the first in exchange for the second. But but that's just me. That seemed to resonate with everyone else, too. The fire-smart man went on to explain that if they found a fox den, they would leave an uncleared area around it. And if there were some extra special trees that were favorites, all we had to do was mark them to keep them from being cut. But, but not like Riverdale, where some lady had a name for every tree in the forest, and they were all her favorites, just the really special trees. I thought that all sounded quite reasonable. I went home and reported what had gone on to my wife Mara and my daughter Alex. But we've got to protect the mother tree and the guard tree, declared Alex. Not very far off the path and right in the area that was going to be fire-smarted, we had discovered a little hill. Right in the center of the hill was a pine tree that was much bigger and much older than any other tree in the forest. We call it the mother tree, 
and right on the edge of the hill was a younger pine tree with a rare, symmetrical double crown. We called that one the guard tree, because it seemed to be guarding the hill and the mother tree. Alex had a book about elves who lived in a little hill, just like the one in our forest, and they came out to dance in the moonlight. We all considered the hill area to be a sort of pretend magical place, and even though we'd been back several times in the dark during the full moon, we had never actually seen the elves dancing. So Alex and Mara made two signs out of plastic lids, rescued from the recycling blue box. The sign said, Please do not cut down this tree. It's an extra special tree with a name. Thank you. They hiked out to the magic hill with some orange parachute cord and tied a sign on each of the special trees. Alex was quite happy that we had done our part to protect the mother tree and her guard tree. About a week later, Pamela McPherson showed up at our door. She accepted some tea, but she really wanted to talk. We have druids, she declared, in our own forest. I didn't even know that druids were a thing in Yukon. What do you mean, druids, I asked. Druids were heathen people who lived in England in the olden days, Pamela explained somewhat condescendingly, as if this was something that everyone else knew. They had sacred trees and they worshipped them. But now we have them in Whitehorse. What makes you think we have druids in Whitehorse, I asked, although I already had an inkling of what she was about to explain. I was walking along the path and I saw something orange on a tree. I pushed my way through the snow and the bushes and found it was an orange string. Someone had used orange string to tie a sign on a tree saying it was a special tree, with a name even. And there's another tree that had a sign too, tied up with orange string. Huh, special trees. Ah, they were just trees. I didn't let on about our family's connection with the signs. Who do you think put up the signs, I asked curiously. I'll bet it was Lily, said Pamela. Lily, yes, Lily. She's the sort of person who would be a druid and worship secret trees with names. She doesn't go to church. She says she doesn't need to go to church because the forest is her church. Yes, the more I think about it, the more I'm sure it's Lily. But we don't go to church either, I said. How do you know that Mara, Alex, and I, uh, how do you know that we're not druids? You're obviously not the druid type, she said dismissively. But Lily, yes, obviously. I really wanted to explore what Pamela considered to be the druid type. But she launched on into a detailed explanation of how the bus schedules were really badly organized. And if they only asked her, she could do it better. Pamela never took the bus. And then one evening, not long ago, Dave McPherson came pounding on our door. Quick, he said, I need your help. Pamela's trapped out in the woods somewhere. Bring a flashlight. We gotta hurry. So I pulled on my parka, mitts, toque, and boots, and headed out with Dave along the path toward the college. She called me on her cell, he explained worriedly as we hurried through the quiet, dark woods. There was just a hint of moonlight through the clouds. She's trapped somehow, down where the path goes near the road. Didn't take us long to find her once we got to the area. We called out, and she answered in a muffled voice, Over here! Sure enough, the light from our flashlights revealed a freshly uprooted tree that had fallen down between all the others. Pamela was pinned underneath, partially buried in snow. Dave and I managed to lift the tree enough to drag Pamela out. My knife, she exclaimed. We have to find my knife. So Dave dug around in the snow where Pamela had been trapped and finally came up with a large kitchen butcher knife. Pamela didn't seem to be too badly injured and we escorted her and the knife back to her house. Sure, I was curious about why Pamela had been running around in the dark woods with a butcher knife, but not too curious. Pamela often did strange things that nobody could ever explain. In this case, Dave did explain two days later. I've known Pamela for 40 years, he said, and I still don't understand everything she does or why she does it. She's just that way. She's always been like that. I felt kind of sorry for Dave. But she got this idea in her head about sacred trees and druids, he continued. 
It really upset her. She said some druid had put up signs on sacred trees to keep the fire smart from cutting them down, I guess. She talked about putting up different signs to make sure the fire smart guys actually do chop down those very trees. But she didn't get that far. She was just going out to cut the signs down when the druids wouldn't be around to see her. She said she squatted down to take a pee and had just finished when a big gust of wind came up and blew a tree down on top of her. She was trapped, but still managed to get to her phone. Thanks for helping me rescue her. Yeah, a bit weird, I know, but but thanks. Southern Yukon doesn't have much soil because of the relatively recent passage of glaciers. Trees don't develop very deep roots, and every high wind seems to topple one or two. But the night we rescued Pamela McPherson wasn't windy at all. When Alex, Mara, and I went back to the area a few days later, there was only one tree that had fallen over, the one that had trapped Pamela. It was right on the edge of the little hill, just around the base a bit, from the guard tree. The guard tree is the boss who gives the orders, explained Alex, and the tree that stopped Mrs. McPherson from cutting down our signs is one of the soldier trees that works for the guard tree, and they do what he says. So the trees in our forest don't need druids to look after them. The trees can look after themselves. And there might be elves who dance in the moonlight, but we haven't seen them yet. This has been a Timmet podcast in a series called On the Marge. Instrumental intro and exit are courtesy of Kate Weeks. If you would like more of these podcasts, check out the podcast website at timmet.ca slash podcasts. That's T-I-M-M-I-T dot C-A slash podcasts.